raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. I know y'all like to clown the church league joke, but if y'all had seen my mixtape, you'd have known <laughs> your boy was a problem. He, and he had people leaving the church still praying, asking God to help them learn how to guard me. I like the mixtape, having the the different colored lights coming in through the stained glass, watching you <laughs> lay it up. That's how the mixtape goes in my head when I think of Fiddy just not dunking on people, but laying it up on people. Um, one man in the NFL media who's not afraid to tell you what he thinks or tell you how you feel uh, is is Mike Florio. And on the latest edition of Pro Football Talk, he said that Sunday's fan a turnout, if you will, was a message to ownership here in Carolina. Team. Panthers fans made a statement on Sunday Whoa. by not showing up. And I know, oh, it's raining. All oh, the weather is bad. It's December football. The team sucks. One win. <laughs> Although they doubled their pleasure yesterday to the chagrin of the Falcons. And Chris called it. Desmond Ritter is going to throw an interception that's going to change the game. And he did. And the Panthers won. Somebody said last week that Arthur Smith is safe barring a disaster down the stretch disaster engaged that might have been walker you're a panther fan and you said on friday there was really no reason to want to go to the game outside of just how cheap it was Mm -hmm. did you view sunday as a message towards david tepper or just the fact that it was cold it was raining and there was no need to go and willingly watch a one in 12 football team this was not the game that was a message to david tepper it was the other games even leading up to this one where the fans didn't have a great turnout, where you could not blame it on the weather. Because I understand not wanting to go see a bad football team take on another under 500 football team in a monsoon where we were projected to get not only two inches of rain on the football field and in the stands, but also the wind blowing at about 15, 20 miles per hour. I could absolutely understand not wanting to go there. And if they did show up, then we saw a bunch of people texting in that did go to Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, we didn't last very long. So, no, this was not the message to David Tepper. Yes, clearly there'd be more people there if this was a team fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for the best record in the NFL, if they weren't only with one win going into this game. Clearly there'd be more people, but there are lots of other reasons not to go to this game. I don't view this one as the message. I view the other games where not too many people showed up, despite the weather being fine. Yeah, and I think it was a a big message because, like I said, we saw Vashti uh, report that she had heard that it was about 5,500 because that's about what it looked like. And you talked about the games prior to that one, but this one this weekend, if the Panthers had been in contention or been in the mix for the NFC South, I have no doubts the stands would have been packed no matter what the weather was. But I think that the weather played a part in it, but the Panthers and the fans being fed up definitely was the overlying uh, thought there. And I think it certainly sent a message to David Tepper that the fans are just getting sick and tired of this and you're going to get more of it until you improve things. Just got a notification from the Panthers Twitter account. No Brian Burns today at practice with an illness. No YGM. Marquise Haynes also out mm. with an illness. So, uh, you know, look, they, they they got the win on. They're feeling they're feeling sick after winning. 
Well, the defensive end room looks like that thing's going around when those positions meet. Yeah. So Brian Burns out, YGM, Marquise Haynes. You said both. It was the latter of the three that yeah. had the illnesses. Yeah. So let's go ahead and separate the defensive end room a little bit. <laughs> seems like a good idea. Yesterday, we, we talked about the 11 ductees going into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. And one of them, former Davidson head coach Bob McKillop, joined the Kyle Bailey show yesterday after he talked about what it means to be inducted into the hall. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Terry McGee, who heads the board of directors and the board. Uh, what a great honor it is for a New Yorker to spend as much time as I have in the state of North Carolina, almost half of my lifetime, and to enjoy this opportunity to, to join the Hall of Fame with such an illustrious group of coaches, athletes, administrators uh, is quite a joy for me. And it means that I had outstanding players, and it means I had outstanding assistant coaches, and it means I had an incredible family who sat by my side and nudged me forward and allowed me to work through my inadequacies to get to this point where uh, I can celebrate those years I roamed the sidelines at Davidson. Walker, we all know that in this state, Dean Smith, Coach K, Roy Williams are the names of basketball royalty. Does Bob McKillop deserve to be maybe in the same breath for the impact he had on the game of basketball in a state that loves the game like ours? All right, so if I say no here, then yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that's a great question. Well, Thank yeah, you, Wes. Thank so, you. Right. Like, yeah, I think Dean Smith and Coach K are certainly going to be and in, Roy Williams. in a different tier. And honestly, I'm with you. Yeah, I think Roy Williams, too. So Bob McKillop, it might, might be below that, but certainly not here locally like Bob McKillop deserves every single nomination every single vote that he gets to go into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame and the fact that he was with Davidson for so long and if you look at his coaching record this man was getting to the NCAA tournament real consistently at the beginning of his tenure independent good old independent Davidson in 89 and 1990 his first year there they go four and 24 10 and 19, 11, 17, 500 at 14 and 14. And then you start winning from there on, become the regular season champion a few years. Then you get to the big dance where that was the goal every year. That was the goal for little old Davidson. And then they even go on the run with Steph Curry. One of the things too, I wanted to give him more credit for everybody goes to Steph Curry, which is so true. That is the best basketball players ever recruited his entire life. Okay. That's the one. You also got him enough help to go on that run. Like Jason Richards was a bad man. They had a good too. team. That was a perfect team to compliment Steph and what he brought. Loved me some Andrew Lovedale back in the day. And it was that three that was, that was you know, along with Sander, who was also a good scorer down low. They Sander would eat down there, too, and he had a bag. Just he did a good job of, okay, we can hit with Steph, but also let's get the right role players around. And so it wasn't just, oh, we won on this lottery ticket. Nah, you got some other talented players in there, too, that was really able to help Steph and Davidson, you know, play for a chance to go to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, 10 NCAA tournament appearances, nine-time Southern Conference Coach of the Year, two-time A-10 Coach of the Year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that I put him up there with the Dean Smiths and those guys, but he's certainly in that next tier. He's a Hall of Fame coach in his own right. And again, to do what he did at a school like Davidson with those stringent academic requirements, you never looked at a Davidson team when they walked out on the floor and was like, man, this team is getting ready to come out here and get it in. And then they get after your behind, man. So I think he did an excellent job at that school. And he was a guy that was loyal to his program because I'm sure there were times when Wake Forest was looking for a coach and he was at the top of the list. I'm sure there's been times when Carolina or other programs were looking for a coach and he was at the top of the list. So 
There were many times he could have gone to greener pastures, but he liked where he was at Davidson. Even if he did pass to my brother as a prospect, he, did. he said, I no, know. thank you okay. to my and brother. And I would be okay with that if you had a little bit of personal you know, stuff with him if, if you weren't feeling that, you know? No, it's okay. He probably made the right decision. Sorry, bro. <laughs> what you got for me, Fitty? All right. The last piece of audio is specifically for Wes Bryant. Um, I tried oh. to play it Monday, tried to play it Tuesday. He told me in a text separate from the group chat, I had to play it today or Shroppy was going to be the board out moving forward. Oh, man. But after the another tough, masterful performance from Brock Purdy on Sunday afternoon, Followed by a great performance from Lamar Jackson on Sunday night, Kyle Shanahan weighed in on the MVP race between Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson. I don't have to differentiate, thank goodness. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, there's been around a couple MVPs probably in my career, and these two are as, I, I don't, I mean, is this the most obvious thing to me? I mean, obviously I might be biased being on their team, but I don't think so. I just got to, like I said last week, all you got to do is look at numbers or you got to look at the film. And, um, Whichever one you say is more important to you, I think it's extremely obvious. And if they're both important to you, then you should make it even that much stronger. But those guys are playing pretty good. Wes, <laughs> Christmas night. Maybe the best gift of all is a Super Bowl preview between Baltimore and San Francisco. Are you of the belief that whoever emerges victorious in this game probably is the NFL MVP this season. Yeah, I think that when you look at the performance Dak Prescott had this weekend and then when you look at what Jalen Hurts, the three-game losing streak coming at the worst possible time for the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it has come down to that. We talked about Christian McCaffrey being in this mix too, but I think that it's going to come down to this football game and which player uh, wins this game. I think Baltimore has a couple of tougher games left on their slate too, but this is the one. This is the one that everybody's going to point to. We've had multiple games of the year doing air quotes uh, multiple of those this year but this is the one right now this is the most current game of the year and yeah I think these are the two front runners right now and I think whoever emerges victorious from this game and plays a great game doesn't necessarily have to be just otherworldly but if they play a solid game and their team wins I think that's going to be the person that's going to vault to the front of the line see I don't care who Kyle Shanahan thinks should win MVP between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy (laughs) what I want to know from Shanahan is who he thinks should win MVP between Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Because he said, look, I'm not biased. Like, yeah, okay. Go ahead and say Lamar Jackson, seeing if that's not a topic point across every single sports radio station in the country. You're not going to say, well, Brock Purdy was okay. Like, he's, he's done a good job. But Lamar, I think he's number one. I want to hear what you got to say about Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Because we know Purdy is doing the humble thing. He's saying, I think Christian McCaffrey should win the MVP. But then everybody is sticking up for Brock Purdy saying, no, we think Brock Purdy should win MVP on that team. What would Shanahan say in that moment? Would he say McCaffrey? Would he um, say Brock? I think, I think he would say, oh, well, look, both of them would be He'd go deserving. either one of those guys. Yeah, He'd say either one of those guys. Yeah, like John Harbaugh, you know, if John Harbaugh was trying to tell you, yeah, you know, Brock Purdy, he's probably right. I don't think Lamar should win it. Like maybe Lamar's like fourth, please. Are you kidding me? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I do agree, though. I do think whoever wins this game, that's probably going to be the guy that has the leg up. We had a very similar situation with the Heisman Trophy when it was Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Mm -hmm. And then Michael uh, Michael Penix ended up like not putting up crazy stats. And then I guess that left the door open for Jaden. But we had that conversation about if Bo Nix would have won, Bo would have gotten it, I think. You think that? Would he have taken it over Jaden I think if Bo Nix would have gotten it, yes. I thought that he was going to win the game and have his Heisman moment. I think probably you're right. Is that it, Fiddy? Any more live wire sound? 
That's it. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.